Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. I'm really excited today to share with you one of the nicest people I've been able to talk to in in some time, and he is Canadian country music artist Marshall Dane. He's making a lot of waves out there, getting a lot of attention, a lot of press. We're really thrilled to be able to have him with us, even for a short time today, and be able to share him with, with the audience. I have been going, pouring through his music. All of it is just top-notch stuff, some of the best music videos I've ever seen. I mean, on par with the the biggest superstars videos that are out there, and you definitely need to get out and and check that out. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking because I want to bring Marshall right on and talk to him so that you can get to enjoy him as, as much as I do. So thanks, Marshall, for stopping by. Are you there, Marshall? I am here. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to join you. No problem. No problem. You know, um, I was going through so many of your music videos. Who does those? They are really, all of them were awesome. You know what? I'd love to give a shout-out to my boy Alex Colthart from Raw Footage Productions. That's a great uh, opportunity. Thank you for that. And he shot those. And let me tell you, those videos are indie Indie, indie, indie. These are, are not, you know, we're not operating cranes and, and bringing in, you know, big budget, you know, concepts and stuff. We're just trying to make fun, really good looking videos, you know, and again, you know, when you're lucky enough and you can find the right person along the way to help you in the different facets you need help in on this journey, uh, it's great when you have a guy like, like Alex has done for us and made those cool videos. Yeah, they're fun, aren't they? <laughs> they are really well done. I, I will say I have to pour through a lot of music videos, um, you know, before a lot of uh, talent comes on. And, you know, some of them, you, you, you get a broad range. And But yours were, I mean, you couldn't tell that they weren't done by, you know, George Strait's people or Blake yeah. Shelton's people or anyone at the very top there, that type of caliber, very enjoyable, very well well produced, which I just I think that, that says a lot. Yeah, well, right on. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's constantly, especially in the indie world, it's constantly looking for, you know, people. It's like making a record that sounds like a, a real album that you'd get on the store shelves. You know, when I first figured that out, that I actually found a producer that could make that sound, get that quality, and do it for the, you know, I mean, it's not cheap. Let's not, you know, there's no kidding yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't get it for free. But, they, you know, it, when you can actually get that, and it is within the indie budget, it makes the world a difference. It's different when you try and produce stuff yourself and you're not a really good producer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know there, there, there is something to say about, you know, about, Money does, you know, I, I think a lot of times it, it will bring a, a level of quality just because the equipment is, is so much better. And that's one reason why I am so avid of buying the mu- musicians 
work buying the music because they do have to put all of this money out front first and up front first. And then they're only asking 99 cents, maybe $1.29 for you to download the album and or, or the, the single and please at least download the whole album too because it costs money, just like you're saying, to make these things and, and we'd have supported it at the very basic level. If I was to take my total budget for making, like even my current record, um, I would have to sell each record that I make for like $372.87 in order to recoup, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's, I have no problem. Even like locally when people come up and they want to buy a record, uh, I, you know, and I sell them for different prices at different festivals and stuff like that. But a lot of times, um, you know, I don't mind asking $20 for an actual, if you're going to buy the record, I'm going to sign it for you. It's boutique. You can't buy it in the big stores. Right, you know, right. You know, you're buying it from it's the artists themselves. Yeah. It's a designer label. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's go back to the beginning. Son of a preacher man, come from a, a, a big family in Canada. It sounds like music was, was a part of your life always growing up. It has been, it's exactly that. I mean, it's as simple as that. It, music has been a part of my going to bed at night. My mother would play the piano. Music was part of what we did um, during the day when my mother would be cooking dinner. She'd also be teaching my sister's piano and trying to teach me, but I wasn't that much of an astute student. Um, there was always, every Sunday, there was music at my grandmother's house. I mean, I got two, I had two grandmothers. My one grandmother had a beautiful record collection, and I would just sit there and and a friend of mine has this expression, falling into a song. And I would just fall into a Kenny Rogers record and just sit there and dream about this guy driving along and seeing this sign, uh, you know, above a, a bar called the Lucky Star. And it says, Scarlet isn't here. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, dream that I was a gambler. My other grandmother, she had, there was music every Sunday at her house. She played the, pe uh, the lap steel. My grandfather played the fiddle and the piano. My uncle played the piano. And it was always just honky-tonk, ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding. But, uh, you know, my father played guitar. My sisters played fiddle and piano and sang. They all sang. There was a harmonica there. I mean, yeah, it was, it's, it's been such a part of my life. It's been grand. It, it, it seems like almost a magical, dreamy way of, of growing up when you have a family that that's, you know, such a, a, a fundamental block in, in the establishment and, and the daily ongoing of, of a family unit. Well, what's, what's interesting about it is um, in no way is my story picture perfect. In no way is there silver spoons along the way. It is filled with all kinds of emotions and, 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 and uh, uh, life events that music was also a part of all those things too, which is where I find the extreme beauty in it because, it, you know, I was, my mother, I, I remember seeing my mother just swaying on the piano and just, she was into it, you know, and she was just letting it out. She was letting whatever stress was in her body, she was just letting it out through playing. Um, I myself have, you know, sat there in my sad moments and sat there and wrote a poem and put it to music because that was the way I thought that was just natural, the way to express it. So it, it's really neat to see the, the dynamics of how music can affect 
And, of course, coming from such a positive preacher family, you know, with the glass, you know, no matter what the glass is at, it's always half full. Um, it's great to say, well, with all those great, amazing emotions, ups and downs, and music can be a, a medium for it, that I get to now deliver a musical message, you know, instead of being a preacher like my dad wanted me to be, I can still deliver a beautiful musical message that says no matter what feelings we're going to talk about or get into, I can also say there's, a, or at least find a, a pretty way to uh, to come out of those situations, and or if it's just a positive situation, then how to stay there. Well, I've always thought that preachers, in their own way, are kind of entertainers and kind of showmen, um, and because there, there, there's something about captivating an audience, no matter if it's through music or through a message or, or whatever. Um, so it probably wasn't a huge leap, I wouldn't think, maybe for you to gravitate towards entertainment, because you it sounds like you kind of had an entertaining family. <laughs> uh, that's to say the least. <laughs> I definitely have an entertaining family, and I say that because I know them so personally well. But, yes, as far as entertainers, my mother was the piano player for our church. Um, when they switched to CDs and they no longer you know, wanted the piano, when that CD player or the power went out, my mother was had no problem going to the front of the church in front of 150 people and playing. My father took a guitar everywhere. If we were camping, if we were traveling, if we were going anywhere, if he was visiting the nursing home that was in the local community as he was driving through, he would just go in and play some songs for them. It, uh, you know, it, it was not, they were definitely um, uh, not outspoken, but uh, they were comfortable taking on that role of the musical side of entertaining and or my dad when he was preaching, they had me up giving little, you know, five-minute sermons when I was seven and eight and nine years old. I mean, I was doing it since I was a kid. So all I did was take away the, take away the pulpit and put, put a guitar in front of me instead <laughs> and buy well, a better microphone. Talk about, well, and, and you talk about, you know, life having its ups and downs, and, and, and you have a song called Bad Choices, which also it's throw that into the very well-done music video category, but also just a, a very well-done song. But it, it talks about that, that you're not a bad guy. You just made some bad choices. I think everybody can, can relate to that. Most people, I think, fundamentally are, are, are good people. But, I mean, you have to live this life experience, too, and we've not been through it before. You know, so you're going to mess up sometimes along the way, and, you know, forgiveness Thank goodness that there's forgiveness because uh, um, none of us get it right all the time. I wrote that song on the fifth day of a five-day writing trip in Nashville, my very first writing trip in February of 2009 down to Nashville. And I co-wrote it with a guy. And I don't go on vacation because I don't, you know, don't have the means to do that at the moment. It's just all music. So I take those opportunities going to Nashville to get a little bit of my – my uh, party on or get a little bit of my downtime in and by the fifth day I was pretty tired and I was pretty beaten up and we were having a, not a struggle trying to come up with a tune we were just you know talking about what to write and I wasn't really feeling like writing a, a big upbeat song even though we ended up writing a nice fun little two-step kind of tune but we decided we were looking at all our little brainstormed song titles that we each had had and I had one that said bad choices and all we kept talking about was all the different bad choices we could make. And I thought, you know what? Today's a perfect day to write this song. 
And when I got back to my hotel room, uh, my uh, manager at the time was with me, and I remember playing it to him thinking, ah, I don't think I got much of a song here. You know, it's called Bad Choices. I don't know. And then I played it like I do every writing session after a session. I play it 10, 15, 20 times to really get inside the tune and see how much I like it or not. And all of a sudden I thought, I, you know, this is kind of a guy's anthem, and I bet you this is kind of everybody's anthem. <laughs> you know, it's actually mm-hmm. really kind of catchy. I'm not a bad guy. I just make some bad choices. So, mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, no, it, was, I, it was a fun tune to write. I so. I really enjoyed that. Is 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 there some of your songs that you, when they come up on the set list, that, that you are just happy to play them every time? I'll say it like this. It was a few years ago that somebody asked me to play my favorite, or I mean, people always ask you to play your favorite song. And I said, I don't play any songs I don't like anymore. And not that I ever really did, but there were some times that I only had so many songs to play if you were playing like the little pub circuit. And, you know, you've got your cover songs and your original songs, and then you run out of songs. And so you end up playing some tunes you're not as comfortable with or as familiar with. But as time goes on and you start making the decision to, you know, surround yourself with, you know, good, positive people. And when somebody gives you the advice of watch what kind of song you write, because you're going to have to sing it forever. So when you sing songs, when you're, you know, write songs with your really high voice, you got to remember, you're going to you got to be singing those falsettos for the, you know, the next 20 years. Um, Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the tunes, there's not one of them that I don't like, and there's not one of them I wouldn't want to play every night. Uh, there are obvious, obviously there's ones that we figure, if we only have six to do before Alan Jackson gets on stage, let's do these six. Um, and, of course, those are, you know, we choose some high-energy songs, but a lot of times they're interchangeable with other tunes. Sometimes Bad Choices doesn't make it into the six, but other times it does. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love all the tunes. You know, I could play all night long, and I... I even songs that I've played hundreds and hundreds of times, I'll find a way to find enjoy, enjoyment in it every single time I do it. Well, it looks like that you're having a lot of fun. You were nominated for a CMAO award for Male Artist and Album of the Year featuring the single off the title track, um, One of These Days. We're going to play One of These Days so that everyone can kind of get a feel and then take a break and then, and then come back. I want to talk about you performing with Alan Jackson and, and being you know compared to some of the superstars in, in country music. But can you tell us, maybe set this up one of these days for us and we'll listen to it real quick. Sure. Um, one of these days, I wrote that in Feb- uh, sorry, July of 2011, and I was before I, I just I wrote it in Nashville, and just before I went to Nashville, I was thinking to myself, I'm getting to the sec the end of the second year or midway of the second year of my current record, and I'm going to need a new album, and I don't know how I'm going to get to a new record. I don't know how I'm going to come up with the money for it. I barely was able to scrape together money for the first one. And I thought, but I have to start writing. So I had left a four-day festival in the east coast of Canada. I went straight to Nashville for two weeks. And just before I was, uh, just after that, I was leaving for the North Canadian Arctic to do a three-week tour up in uh, the north north of the Arctic Circle. And so I had all these emotions going on. I'd just been on my first tour. My first record had just come out. Everything was exciting. And I lost a relationship throughout the process. And I had 
all these things going on. And finally, I was at this point where I was stopping and I was saying to myself, it's not about right. It's not about past. I can't stop. I can't keep living in this uh, – in the past, I guess is how I'm trying to say it. And I had to start living in the future – or living in the present, sorry, because one of the things I noticed in my relationship was that I was always putting stuff off. Everything was being put off for music, and I realized that there's got to be a balance and not only has there got to be a balance, but it, it doesn't have to be that – you don't have to be that extreme. You don't have to worry about yesterday. You just have to worry about today. And today, technically, I've got a little bit of money in my pocket. I've got gas in the car. We've got a whole day to kill. Let's go. Let's stop putting this off. And so that was the motive behind one of these days. It was about not saying we're going to do something in two weeks from now, not saying I'm going to go visit my family or see my father you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go now. There's no more waiting. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of putting up with all of that. So that tune is about empowerment. It's about uh, taking control of the now and the present and uh, living your life for every moment that it's worth because life goes by fast. It's fleeting. So take advantage of it. It's precious. Absolutely. And that's one thing you do start noticing as you get older. Time does march on. It waits for no man. So we're going to go ahead and play that. This is called One of These Days by Marshall Dane. We'll be right back. Right on. Come on, girl. Girl, we always stay someday. When it comes to leaving this town. It's always off in the future. It never seems to come around. I've got a
Marshall Dane, Wisconsin. It's what is it? Dane County. It's Marshall, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and it's in Dane County. Yes. Yep. In I Wisconsin. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to go play there. You need to play there. Um, I, I've not really been to Wisconsin many times, but I understand it's near Madison, which there's a big college crowd of great music lovers in Madison. And Marshall only, I think, has 3,800 people. But wouldn't that be great? Boy, I, I would love to build that and promote that. Marshall Dane does Marshall Dane. Yeah, like that would be over the top. And, yes, it's crossed my mind several times. I used to, you know, when I first started out, I would Google my name to see where it would come up on the list of things, you know, and at one point it's on page three, and then you're on, you know, you finally get to page two, and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, Dane, Wisconsin. And then, yeah, that's great. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of people who, who can say that when they Google a name, like a whole town pops up. Yeah. you definitely need to get there and 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 get a photo with that you've been compared to garth brooks dirk uh dirk bentley so many of the great names in country music and you've been really you've been having a lot of press getting a lot of great press um a lot of news you have a new single that's come out um alcohol abuse we're going to play that at the end of the show um do you feel like you really have great momentum right now I feel like we have, back in 2010 when I released my first kind of full-length major record, we started the ball rolling. Now the the momentum, the ball has got a continuous kind of momentum going on. And at the beginning of 2014, we were very much prepared and excited and ready to launch yet again to push the ball even, you know, harder. Um and right now, I think we've got a we've got a great momentum going on. We've got a lot of great things happening. Um, little tours lined up that we've never had before. Little guerrilla style indie tactics of how to you know get from point A to point B that are coming together. Uh, a new video that's coming out that's uh, for alcohol abuse that's going to be even better than the other videos. I hope that's always the goal. You know, it's going to be fun and funny. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a great vibe going on. I think it's a nice little buzz. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're uh, an artist 
from Canada and specifically a country artist from Canada. Is is there a need to be attached to Nashville constantly or often or, or how does that balance work? Um, I'll answer that in two sides because from a business perspective, yes, because the country association up in Canada um, is largely influenced by Nashville country. I guess I could put it that way. Um, the business side of things, because obviously the biggest Canadian country artist that we would have would end up crossing the border into the U.S. and no better place to try and drop your country hat than in Nashville. Um, or, you know, or the likes of, you know, Texas, Nashville, Memphis. And, um, but from a the creative side of things, I mean, I've been to Nashville a bunch of times, and I've written down there, and I love writing down there, and I love going down there. It's a fun, great place, and it's got, uh, it's got an energy of songwriters. I mean, the person pumping your gas is a songwriter. The person serving you your meal is a songwriter. <laughs> like, everybody's a songwriter. So the creative uh, inspiration that happens in Nashville is awesome. I do believe that you know, you don't. You have to be connected to know what's going on in the industry, but you don't necessarily. Like in my case, I don't live in Nashville, um, and although that would be a, a fun thing to do, I don't. You know, believe at this point, it's something that I have to do. Um, it, you know, we still. Everybody's got their own little version of how they make their music, and it's. You know, a lot of times it's largely influenced by the, by the, area that you cut your teeth in, kind of thing. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. a balance of both. Right. You know, you've you've had a lot of success opening for, you mentioned earlier, Alan Jackson, Emerson Drive. Are are you around those guys enough when you're opening for them? Can, can you pick up things from them? I mean, they've been around a long time. They've seen the good and the bad and the changes. And, you know, a lot of times when you're around people like that, it's great to pick up you know, some some information to kind of help you along the way. Are, are you able to derive anything being around them, or is everyone just busy getting getting the show on? Well, yeah, it's, it's a little more straight up. When, when it's show day, everybody's in show mode. And um, as much as, you know, we're all hoping to hook up and meet and see whoever else is kicking around backstage, most of us are there, you know, within our allotted time before our show, we're getting ourselves prepped. We're getting warmed up and changed and everything else. Um, as far as the case of Alan Jackson, I would have loved to have met Alan Jackson, but the reality was, or the reality is, it probably would have just been a, hey, man, nice to meet you. Can't wait to open up for you. I'll leave the stage hot, you know, that kind of thing. And there would be not much time to say, hey, tell me about the struggles. <laughs> you know, can you shoot me a little <laughs> advice for a guy right in my position right now going through this? And, you know, even if we did have the opportunity to meet, I don't think we'd get too much of that chance. Now, said that, um, everybody's a little different. Uh, You know, in the case of Alan Jackson, he had security. Like, you couldn't even see Alan. Like, you'd see him, like, walk from, you know, the the John Deere truck over to the the backstage area that was his. And then he had a security guard with a neck the size of a sequoia tree. I mean, it was massive. (laughs) (laughs) The guy was scary looking. And he was only, like, maybe five foot eight. But big. So, uh, you know, in that case, we didn't get too close to Alan Jackson, whereas 
um, you know, Keith Urban was a little more free to walk around backstage the night before, and, you know, and he would have a little meet and greet, but he was a little more out in the open. Michelle Wright, a great Canadian uh, uh, country artist, I, uh, one of my first shows opening up for somebody when I first uh, came up with my new record uh, back in 2010, um, she was backstage and she was a hoot. She would sit there, like, I mean, we all shared the same area, and we would sit there and talk and chat and and it was more the kind of – you don't really get advice as much as you look at them and see how they handle themselves in a situation with, say, a new unknown artist like myself, people that she's never known, publicists that are coming in and out. You know, you get to learn by their actions. So that's always one way to kind of get to know something about them or get a little piece of, of, of their experience by just watching how they deal with the experience. Well, it's very valuable information that, that they have, and, and if they can just impart little bits, just like you were saying, like that along the way, I'm sure that that helps new artists so much navigate. Because it, it's, it's a huge business, and a lot of people don't, don't always think of the business end of music, but music is a, is a big business, and even at the very basic level, um, it's, it's a business. So when you are really making a business and a living out of it and you're on the road and you're performing and you're putting out music and you're putting out videos. I mean, there's many, many arms to this machine. Oh yeah. I spent, I spent three weeks on the road on my very first tour in 2011 with uh, two Canadian artists named Gord Banford and Aaron Pritchett. And those two guys, I mean, we were all on the same bus and there was multiple occasions where, they would pass on advice, and I could ask direct questions about who do you use for this or how do you get past this hump, and, uh, you know, they were more than willing. Most artists, I mean, I think they do want to talk about their experiences and especially to let the next guy coming through <laughs> know that it's, you know, it's not all uh, rodeos and pickup trucks and chocolate rivers. <laughs> <laughs> well, are, are people asking you for advice now? Uh, you know, I do get, uh, you know, younger artists, you know, that are, that are brand new asking me different things. Um, everything from, you know, who did you use to shoot your awesome, cool videos and were you able to do it on an indie budget? Um, how did you manage to get into Nashville and meet with publishers? You know, those kind of things. Uh, and I can actually impart some of that, you know, experience now, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's basically the, the bottom line is it's all just hard work. <laughs> Hard work, be nice to everybody, ask questions, don't be afraid to, to not know the answer. And when you find people that are experts in certain areas, you know, take advantage of the fact that they know more than you because <laughs> that's how mm -hmm. you'll get ahead. That's how you'll learn. Well, that's, that's, that's great advice. And for, for some reason, as a, as a human species, we've evolved into this non-question-asking group of humans and that's we really went wrong on that because you you're right on with that you do need to ask questions and and you do need to follow through and if you don't know I mean how else are you going to know unless you ask and when you come across people you might not ever come across them again and to miss that opportunity would would, would just be tragic yeah I, I mean there's it depends on how you're I guess going about your journey and in my mm -hmm. case I'm going about my journey in a, you know, I kind of pretend, or not pretend, but I, I picture in my head, I'm like Survivor Man, you know, just any which way I can make today work 
and any which way I can make it, you know, build the trap so that tomorrow I can be fed kind of thing, that kind of, you know, whatever you mm-hmm. got to do. And in, in that, you know, you see a lot of younger artists that, that want to get into the music business, but you can see it in their eye that they don't really have that eye of the tiger kind of, you know, like you gotta you got to be willing to get in with both feet, get dirty, and because the business part of it, the playing the music part of it is the beauty. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the but uh, the business part, you know, unless you're a business major that specializes in marketing and publicity and you have all the contacts at radio, <laughs> <laughs> and you know how to book yourself into top festivals and how to get in touch with Alan Jackson's team, then you're going to have to ask for some help. Absolutely, right? And, and, and again, yeah, you, you don't want to be, you know, a crazy soccer person about it, and you want your questions to make sense, and you don't want to take up everybody's time, and you want to be smart about what you're asking. But, but I would encourage people to ask, but also be mindful of the fact that, you know, one or two questions most and, you know, pick pick the most important. And and if you get the opportunity, absolutely to ask. Well, you have a fantastic new single just dropped, Alcohol Abuse, real fun song. It's definitely a honky-tonk song. I could hear it playing in the bars all the time. It's a Saturday night, you know, song for sure. Um, How did this evolve and, and, uh, and, and become kind of what it is? And I, I think it's going to be huge. Wow, well, thank you for the kudos on that, firstly. Um, people often, okay, let's, a friend of mine saw my new record, looked at the title of the songs, and then sent me a Facebook message and said, hey, Marshall, I just got your new album. Is everything okay? <laughs> and what she was getting at was on the previous album, we have a song called uh, Love and Alcohol, and then we also have a song called Lynchburg is Dry, And then on the new record, we have Alcohol Abuse, and we have I'll Be Your Whiskey. And so I guess the point I'm getting at is, um, I mean, this is coming from a family where my father doesn't touch alcohol at all. So I'm not, I never have been a real promoter of let's go out and get crazy drunk or something like that. But I spend, I've spent a lot of time playing music where I learned how to perform and interact and communicate with people was at those clubs and those little bars. And you're watching people and you're trying to pick out kind of the way Billy Joel picks out Piano Man and talks about each individual guy or each individual scenario or person. Alcohol abuse is about watching people sitting there spilling their drinks left, right, and center. And I remember it was maybe just about three years ago that I heard the expression for the first time, alcohol abuse referring to, hey, the bouncer just spilled a drink when he was trying to clean up the bar or whatever, and somebody yelled it out. So for me, it was, uh, it was definitely it's an attempt to make a lighthearted, uh, fun little tongue-in-cheek, smile-out-of-the-side-of-your-face kind of tune that um, has a chorus that will make, <laughs> make your head spin. And the longer you stay at the bar, it might be harder to sing it. <laughs> well, you know, um, country is definitely – a state of mind and country people don't really take themselves very serious and they like to have a good time and you know country people have been making their own alcohol for since the beginning of time and the music you know is woven in there and family's woven in there and friendship is is uh, and hard work 
but you can't work, work hard all the time. So every now and then you got to get out and you got to let loose a little bit. And, you know, and, and for some of us, most of us, you know, a lot of times, you know, a little drink here and there uh, can, can help uh, smooth over a bad week and, you know, and just kind of cut loose and, 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 and have a good time for a few hours. And so that just kind of, yeah, I agree with, with, with uh, where you're thinking on that song. And we've made jokes about that when we've been out, when someone spills a drink, you know, and, uh, yeah, um, and we, we've all seen people, you know, trying to get it up off the table. And everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's lighthearted and you're having a great time, and, 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 that's, and, and that's what it's about. Yeah, it's, it's totally about that. I mean, it's, again, it's where I come from and where I you know where i've built my experiences performing and playing it's um it's very easy for me to make reference reference to uh you know to alcohol and to you know to those kind of uh nighttime bar situations i relate <laughs> to them absolutely <laughs> me too me too i mean you know i've come from a long line of country people and um bar owners and um we weren't the music people but we were the bar owners and that hired the music people and um um prohibition made no difference in in my family coming from my my family hails from east tennessee and um you can look them up and they're you're going to find bar next to them. So. <laughs> so this is made for people like us. Well, where can people find you? Is is, is everything posted on, on your website or so is where you're going to be touring and how they can stay up with the latest information? Definitely. They can uh, find me at marshalldane.com, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-D-A-N-E.com. Um, we'll have all uh, – we're actually, uh, if you keep checking back shortly – um, as soon as my drummer gets back from Nashville, speaking of Nashville, uh, we're going to be uh, updating our site, and uh, we'll have some new changes, some fun new-looking uh, images to, to check out. And, uh, yeah, you can definitely find all our music there. You can find our video links. Um, you can purchase the album. I will personally sign the record if you purchase it from the website, and I'll mail it out to you. Otherwise, whatever your format is, iTunes, Amazon, Sony, Universal, just go to your uh, provider and you can look up Marshall Dane and find us there. Facebook.com slash Marshall Dane Music. YouTube.com slash Marshall Dane. You want to chat on Twitter? It's Marshall Dane. <laughs> All right. It doesn't get any easier than that. Thanks, Marshall, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Hang on. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you here in, on the other side in just a quick second. We're going to play Alcohol Abuse. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Alcohol Abuse. Shameful ways to precious booze. Put a glass here, the chicken wire in front of my face. Jack Daniels was falling like a rain on the face. Then a fight broke down and a bouncer broke a box. Over all that noise, I heard somebody holler. Drop, we lose. It's alcohol abuse. 
busted through the doors, pulled out their handcuffs and said, boys, you need some help, a little rehabilitation. We're running you in for misappropriation. Around. 
Well, that's our show. We would like to thank our listeners, our guests, and, of course, our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to Audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audiobook. The first book is free. doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out NorthwestPrime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day.